Hello Detroit, hello Pistons fans, this is the Sports Ethos Pistons Podcast. I'm your host Joey Gadaris with you three times a week right here on sportsethos.com and you can find me on Twitter at Ethos Pistons. Be sure to like, subscribe, do all that good stuff to support the pod and really I'd love some interaction on Twitter too. I know I just uh, sort of getting into that game uh, and there's a lot of a lot of activity on Pistons Twitter lately that we won't get into on the show but um, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. On today's show, we are going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. It happened yesterday. It's over. The team is more or less settled. Um, the Pistons do not trade Jeremy Grant, but they do trade Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson along with two second-round picks and receive Marvin Bagley the third from the Sacramento Kings. We'll talk about that deal. We'll talk about the fact that we didn't trade Jeremy and what that means for the rest of the season. And we'll also talk a little bit about last night's game uh, the Pistons get blown out by the Memphis Grizzlies, and it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but uh, without Cade Cunningham, we were really struggling to stay in games 0-6 in our last, ga- our last six games. So before we get into all of that, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. All right, top of the show, we got to talk about the trade that did happen. The Pistons getting Marvin Bagley III for Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, and two second-round picks. This is a deal that was heavily rumored to happen, although it's not the most high-profile deal in my mind. It is a patented Troy Weaver move. Troy Weaver is essentially exchanging two, and I have this in air quotes, two Troy Weaver prospects for one Troy Weaver prospect. And what makes a Troy Weaver prospect? Well, you have to be a failed lottery pick. That's the first thing. Bagley is, of course, one of the most, uh, one of the biggest draft busts in recent times, maybe ever getting drafted number two ahead of Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson, three rising stars. Of course, Luka Doncic is an absolute superstar. So is Trey. So is Jaron. I mean, it's it's an unconscionable pick four years later. But Bagley, they finally give up on him. I was listening to the Kings podcast this morning, Sports Ethos Kings podcast, just to hear a little bit about what they had to say about it. And, you know, Bagley's on an expiring contract. Um so this is just the Pistons getting a look at a guy who is going into free agency and could potentially be a fit, though it seems like Kings fans are pretty happy to get off his, uh, get him off the team and to pre- even bring back Trey Lyles. I heard some, some modest optimism that, hey, you know, maybe Trey Lyles is a good fit on the Kings. Maybe he is. Honestly, you know, I want to bid adieu to these two guys. Um, they played well with the Pistons. Josh Jackson, obviously a Detroit kid. So, you know, we, we really wish him well. Trey was only here for half a season, but um, though he drew the ire of, you know, some Pistons fans and myself um, early in the season, I thought he really started to play relatively well given uh, his role and given his abilities uh, in the last few months. So, yeah, maybe he does uh, fit into the Kings somewhere. Um, but Bagley, of all these players, is clearly the player with the highest upside, Um and the player that fits best into the Pistons' uh, 
lineup considering what we what we're lacking, which is size. He's only 22 years old. He's 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. That's a big player, right? We don't have anybody above 6'9. Well, now we do. So that is just one thing that is going to immediately change about the Pistons. We're going to take a miscast small ball five, Trey Lyles, and swap him out for a not very good big man. So, you know, there's there's cons, there's pros to both of those situations. And that's sort of how I see the Bagley thing playing out. I think he'll just slide right into the Trey Lyles minutes, coming off the bench 20 to 24 minutes a game, helping the Pistons match up with bigger teams, giving the Pistons maybe a different dimension on offense, particularly as a lob threat, as a pick-and-roll guy. But, you know, the caveat here is that Bagley just might not be very good at all these things. I'm saying that he'll match up with bigs, but the word is that he's really bad on defense. So we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. At the same time, he might not be that useful on offense. It, it's cool to have, you know, a lob threat, um, which Cade and, and Killian should take advantage of, hopefully, and to have such a fluid, big athlete. Um, he really does stand out as an athlete on, in his highlight reels, running the floor, um, getting out in transition, finishing at the rim definitely looks like his best way of getting a bucket. Um, he does attempt a lot of threes and certainly has slightly more potential as a stretch big compared to Isaiah Stewart, who I think is more or less that, that book is kind of closing as far as him shooting the three ball. Um, but, you know, Bagley's not good at it either. He's just a little bit better. His form looks a little more natural. Um, so while he is a very natural athlete, he doesn't necessarily have the skill or the basketball IQ that would make him a transformative player for the Pistons. Um, in that way, it's kind of funny that he might be, well, he, I'm projecting he will be a second unit player. And that second unit would be Killian, Frank, Hamadou, Olenek, and Bagley which is a really bad <laughs> shooting lineup on paper. Killian can't shoot. Hamadou can't shoot. Bagley can't shoot. Um, Frank, is, Frank and Olenek are, are streaky and you know decent at best. Um, also, the Kelly, uh, the Kelly Olenek and Killian Hayes pairing in the second unit has been pretty, pretty sloppy since the return of Olenek from the knee injury. It could be that he's just getting back up to speed, but Olenek can't hit a shot all of a sudden. And you see this sort of friction between them. Like Killian wants the ball every time down the floor, but Olenek will bring it up the floor and Olenek will try and make a play for a teammate, which I'm sure he's being told to do in some respect. But again, it's not really vibing. Um, but Bagley gives us a different dimension than Olenek, a different dimension than Stewart. Again, as a lob threat pick and roll guy. And that is what I'm most curious to see. Can he sort of elevate Killian Hayes just by catching passes around the rim and finishing. There's also concerns, I'll just say this really quick, there's also concerns about Bagley, um, not only his IQ, but, I, but I, his basketball IQ, but his um, sort of passion for the game, love for the game. Um, also, he's been on and off injured for years um, with hand and foot injuries. Seems like uh, not necessarily the most durable player, there's just there's, so, so there's a lot of concerns. There is some upside. Overall, I like the deal. It makes sense. It's worth a shot. Um, but I would add that the Pistons are not in such a different place than the Kings to where 
Bagley will get radically different opportunity. For me, it's more of a change of scenery, a change of culture, than it is a change of what he's going to be asked to do on the court. I would be absolutely floored if he were to start. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. But um, we'll see. I, I. I do think we have the right sort of culture. If any culture is going to get the most out of Marvin Bagley, it's probably going to be our scrappy, our scrappy team <laughs> of of smart, good guys uh, who will hopefully take him under their wing, take them into. Um, the brotherhood of the Detroit Pistons. So, hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. All right, so now we have to talk about not trading Jeremy Grant. Okay, so the Bagley thing, we'll see. It could be nothing, could be something. Um, It's a flyer on an expiring contract, and it's going to give the Pistons an in-depth look at a player that they might want to sign long-term. They might just move on from him. There's very little risk. Despite the many Twitter rumors, nothing happened involving Jeremy Grant on deadline day. He stays put for the rest of the season. He will be a Detroit Piston. He Remember, he still has another year, another full year on his three-year $60 million deal. We're currently in the second year of that, which is still good value, I'd say, for a 28-year-old who gets included in so many trade rumors, partly because he is easy to see fitting in on a plethora of teams. I think the disappointment for Pistons fans is in the dissonance between our expectations for what Jeremy could bring back in a trade and the reality of how awkwardly he has fit into the 2021-22 version of the Pistons so far. In 2020-21, last year, he had a slightly bigger role, was a little more efficient offensively, and was the unquestioned leader uh, on the offensive end as a shot taker and a scorer. With Kate around, that changes. And then he missed 24 games this year with a UCL, a thumb injury. And during those games, during that time, Sadiq Bey improved considerably. It's not necessarily 100% causation, but I wouldn't say it's exactly a coincidence. They play similar positions. It might be true that Sadiq is best as a power forward long-term, and that's the position that Jeremy plays. So if it's so easy to fit Jeremy into most teams around the league, why would the Pistons be an exception when there actually are two young players that are exciting, that are shot takers, shot makers developing in that area Um, and so you could look at it and say Jeremy should be the third offensive option on this team so why again why are the Pistons the exception when we think about fitting in Jeremy into a team that has you know proven 
players, or in our case, unproven, but promising players. And it's also weird because Jeremy seems like a cool guy, right? (laughs) And the narratives about Jeremy is cool and Jeremy insists on being the number one offensive option on a bad team. Those two narratives, they just don't, they're in conflict. They don't make sense to me. And so I think they're a bit exaggerated, especially considering that the Pistons have given Jeremy everything he could have wanted to this point. He was the number one offensive option on a bad team last year. He proved that he could do it. He could bear the load. You know, he shot 43%. It's not great, but 22 points a night, got on the Olympic team. It really elevated his profile. Um, And so with that in mind, I think it is time for Jeremy to look at the end of the season, look at the, the you know remaining few months and really figure out how to fit into the offense rather than dominate it. He's undoubtedly already and will continue to be a very valuable defensive player for the Pistons, but it has to do on, with the offensive end. So this is my challenge for Jeremy rest of season. Elevate the young guys, you know, be a leader in the sense that it's not all about you. You don't have to take the most shots on the team. And, you know, make plays for others. Make play for, make plays for your young guys who I would imagine you are friends with. <laughs> I would imagine you like these guys. They're all very likable. You're likable, you know. I don't think it's too much to ask. I think Jeremy is more than capable of this, of dialing it back, of still thriving as a starting player, playing big minutes, um, in more of a secondary role. You know, he's undoubtedly the the mentor, the sort of soft-spoken veteran who leads, by example, leads in some way, even if Cade is ultimately the more outspoken rookie franchise player, and I've written this in all caps, leader, right? Cade's the all caps leader. Jeremy, I'd love you to be the small case leader. So I want to just now say my grade for Troy Weaver's performance on deadline day. I'll give it a B, (laughs) right? If it was an A, he would have traded Jeremy for an amazing return. Okay, it didn't happen, but ultimately it's not bad. You get two players out of the way who were playing minutes that, you know, weren't a part of our future. They weren't being used to develop guys. So that's, that's easy. You get Lyles, you get Jackson out of the way and you get a, you get a guy back on an expiring contract who will be easy to get rid of if you need to. But in the meantime, you have the upper hand in evaluating him and ultimately seeing if he's a good fit, ultimately seeing if he's worth getting on a contract longer term. Sort of the same thing with Hamadou Diallo last year. You're getting a guy who, you know, you, you just want to have a look at. And we got a good deal on Hamadou ultimately, even though he originally wanted a lot more money. I, I forget the contract details, but we ended up getting Hamadou on a pretty reasonable deal. So that's sort of the blueprint for this, following what we did with Hamadou last year. And actually, they're pretty similar players um, at radically different sizes. So um, that's another parallel. And this is a B because you keep a player, Jeremy, who can be better than he has been if he decides to play more of a team-friendly reduced role. And ultimately, that's the role that teams around the league find valuable. 
So if he can perform well as a secondary playmaker, you know, second or third shots on the team, showcasing how he fits into a team rather than dominating it, I think it's good for his trade value. And again, he's still on this 20, 20 million next year is not crazy for a playoff team as a, you know to, to trade for him as a third option. And that team might also want to consider you know extending him and so they want to have him all year. I don't think it's a dead market in the offseason. So there's still time. I, I do think that Troy has to do something with Jeremy for this to have been a good experiment overall. You can't just let him walk. So I think Troy knows that. And we'll see what happens in the offseason. It's still an open book. And on that note, I just want to add that it raises the stakes for the offseason. I'm willing to say that Bagley was worth a shot, getting rid of Lyles, getting rid of Jackson, great. But the biggest risk you've taken so far as a general manager was signing Jeremy Grant in the first place. And, um, you know, we won't know what, what Troy was offered for Jeremy. Maybe he didn't get a good offer. Maybe he couldn't find a good deal. But he needs to find a good deal eventually. And that could easily see next offseason, next sort of trade period, be graded much, much lower because he sort of kicked the can down the road, if you will. All right, I do want to talk really fast about last night's game because Jeremy was better. Jeremy did actually have his first good game back from the UCL injury. Of course, Cade was out for his fifth straight game, um, and he played a somewhat secondary role despite the fact that Cade was missing. Sort of interesting. He made plays for teammates. He made some good passes. Passes that I, you know, when, when he made them, I thought, oh no, but they worked out. He is a good player. He had 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, a steal and two blocks. Didn't hit a three, oh four, but six of seven from the line. And again, you're just seeing things that other Pistons aren't doing. He has a knack for drawing contact and getting to the line. He's very lanky. It's pretty easy for him. He has a knack for defensive playmaking without fouling. And if he can start to hit threes again, we're seeing the profile of that productive secondary Jeremy. It was also a good night for Hamadou. 17 points, 10 rebounds, picking up the slack with Kate out, and with Killian fouling out in 13 minutes, which goes without saying it was a nightmare game for Killian. We still believe in him, but you can't foul out in 13 minutes. Isaiah Stewart, also in early foul trouble, limiting him, though he did start the game well, hitting multiple open jumpers, and finishes with 10 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, a steal, and 2 blocks. His double-digit rebound streak ends, but again, the foul trouble was an issue. He'll, he'll look to get going again. I think he's been, he's been really good lately, um, you know, putting up modest numbers, but looking a lot better uh, if he can stay in the game. Sadiq had 17 points with three threes on 44% shooting and a team-high 16 attempts. So again, Jeremy did not lead the team in shooting. It was, our, it was the guy who should have led the team in shooting with Kate out, Sadiq Bey. And Sadiq had a totally good, totally fine game. No assists, no steals, but 17 points, three threes, very good. And finally, in 10 minutes, Luca Garza actually played all right. I just want to say that, you know, this kid gets more open wounds on his face than any other player. 
Maybe maybe because he's asking for it, but you got to respect it a little bit. He is willing to die out there. And uh, he's also willing to get some buckets on Jaron Jackson, his old Big Ten opponent. Hey, quickly before we sign off, we want to also remind you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of signup to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. All right, so the Pistons are on a back-to-back tonight. They play the Charlotte Hornets in Detroit. Hopefully Cade is back for this one. Not clear yet. They might just be holding him out for the All-Star break, which would make for some bad viewing. But hey, if the Pistons don't get blown out by 22 points in the first quarter like they did last night, they might actually stay in this one. Um, you just got to avoid that early drubbing because um, without Cade, you're not going to make any comebacks. But also looking to have an extended conversation about the re, slightly retooled lineup in the future, trying to get some Sports Ethos Kings podcast hosts on here. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully that happens. Otherwise, I'll see you around.